Hey, heart soul humans. This is Zach. We got our co-host, our special guest, and my special friend, Neil. How you doing, brother? Hello, hello, hello. I am doing after our wonderful time together this past hour. <laughs> our super intense <laughs> morning conversation. It's not yeah. even 10 a.m. Super, super deep pre-coffee heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, neither of us are ready for that. No. Uh, but I, in light of all of that, I wanted to take a second to shed some light on some world events right now and ask for your prayers as our listenership. So a couple of weeks ago, I had a patient whose family was stuck in Afghanistan or is stuck in Afghanistan. She hadn't seen her husband in nearly two years and her husband had made it out of the country five hours before the Taliban seized the city. And the rest of her family is still stuck there. And the Taliban are going around and they're taking child prisoners. They're taking young boys for uh, being to be child soldiers. And they're taking young women for sex slaves. And the seeing, I mean, just hearing that obviously, and then seeing what that did to this woman, uh, knowing that her family was still subject to that was just heartbreaking to the utmost degree. And I forgot to do this on the last podcast, but I wanted to take a second and ask everybody to, at some point in your day, to say a prayer for Afghanistan, for those stuck in Afghanistan who are being subject to these war crimes and these, uh, these atrocities, and also to pray for those who are committing those acts as well, and to see them as part of God as well, to see them as um, struggling with the shadows of their own karma and struggling with the shadows of their own fear and their denial of God in all things, and to lift all of it to the light and to even lift the, the acts of atrocity to the light, to where they're no longer atrocious, to where they're just God. And so if we could take a moment to pray for Afghanistan, whenever you listen to this, I'm sure that they so would actually really... just take maybe 20, 30 seconds together real quick. Okay. And just yeah, share our hearts, share our love. We'll be right, right. back. You know, what came up for me during that was like seeing the men who are going door to door and taking people and like seeing them in moments where they're by themselves, just like caked in hatred and just caked in anger and caked in trauma and remembering that these men were probably taken as child soldiers themselves and it's like we were talking about before we even hopped on the recording. It's like these cycles of trauma mm -hmm. that play themselves out generation after generation after generation. 
Yeah, right. It becomes all that you know. So that is also then what's right to you. It's yeah. not something that's immoral, it's wrong. It is the absolute truth to you. And then at the same yeah. time, right, it's it's also a projection of all that that's being carried, all that pain, all the anger, all the hatred, all the repressed love, all moving forward. All of those parts of you that were loving and tender and sensitive that were basically murdered, you know, or like just traumatized. And it's been a long time since I've hated anything, Mm -hmm. but I remember the feeling of hatred being like this lava that was just like, I felt like corrupted and dirty on the inside. And if I had to feel like that, then like, fuck everybody else. You have to feel it too. Mm-hmm. And it just like, you just stew in that like endless pit of loathing. Right. So, you know, I feel this is probably going to be a very unpopular thing to say, but I even feel compassion for, you know, the, the men who are being asked to do those things to innocent people. Mm-hmm. There is the side where it's like, you know, I mean, we can pull that into societal norms like you and I were talking about, right? Like these expectations that we are held to. And then it's almost like you're just forced to do something that if that wasn't there, other, you otherwise wouldn't, right? It's it, There's such a cultural aspect to it. And you know, that's that's so oftentimes, like it's, it's the driving for unconscious driving force of so much of our day-to-day experience, mm-hmm. so much of our trauma, so much of our projection, so much of our wounding, so much of our pain, so much of our lack of love. Yeah. Yeah. Paul's guides, Paul Selig's guides always say that the only problem that we face as a, as a humanity, as a human race is the denial of the divine is denying the divine in all if you don't if you deny it in one thing you deny it in all things right mm-hmm. and they're saying that that's the only problem that we face as humanity is this belief that we are separate from from any god from any divine yeah. thing and it allows us to it allows us to war against each other it allows us to commit these acts against each other separation from and that separation from love within you and separation from love for those around you I think that's such an interesting point. These things are horrendous. They are things that should not go unseen, unheard, unaddressed. And the pain that is experienced by the person on the other end of that is immense. But at the same time, right, it's so important to also understand and acknowledge what's going on in the other person. This can be also something more simple and relatable. Like this can be a Karen situation. Where this woman is, or, you know, woman, because we're talking about a Karen, but this person is having this massive irrational reaction. But what is actually going on there, right? And it's an expression of a moment of immense pain. It's an expression of a moment of being powerless, of not holding love, of not being connected. And these things that are deeper within us coming out, any single emotional reaction, any single reaction, right? A physical, physiological reaction is always that we're all victims of our own shit and we're all, I think we, we can all acknowledge that within us and acknowledge that within anyone else at a single moment. Yeah, man. Um, I, you know, I, <laughs> I have this kind of thought train that I want to use to respond to that, but it's just like mm-hmm. hard to, uh, <laughs> it's hard to like 
bring it forward without also revealing some of the trauma that I've experienced as like a, as like a human being. But what I can say is like, like we've talked about what you suppress comes out sideways, that which you put in the dark wishes to be seen. Um, When you push something away. Yeah. When you push something away, I'm having a lot of like my own experiences. Uh, and, I, and I guess I think my guides kind of want me to talk about them because um, I can't move my mind past them for whatever reason. So it's like if if a child was like locked in a closet in the dark, mm-hmm. it, it, all it wants is for somebody to like unlock the fucking door and let it out into the light. It's scared. Right. It feels unloved. It feels like kind of un, unwanted, right? Um my parents never did that to me, but it happened to me as a kid. Like I was definitely like tied up and like thrown in closets and shit like that. Just left there for like a day, you know? So that kind of shit happened to me. Um, And so I can tell you like, for sure, what, what you want as being something stuck in the dark is for somebody to just come save you. And I think that that is true of a lot of these acts and a lot of these emotional drives that we see that, allow us to commit what we would call atrocity mm-hmm. is this aspect of self that has been put in the dark and seeks to bring attention to itself in, in ways that it can only, the only way that it knows how to do that is through discordance and through chaos and through, you know, just kind of, yeah, just discordant means. Right. Yeah. And if you think about like that image, right. Of like, say a child that's in their closet, and they learn ways of thinking, they learn ways of behavior. If say, I'm thinking of actually, there's this old case that we talked about in psych back in the day, and it was like a girl that was in that situation, but except there was significantly more time in the closet than outside of it. It was like 90% of her life was like basically just being in the closet. And she eventually, this was all uncovered and unraveled and she was taken out of that situation. But all that was learned and developed while in that situation is what then comes out in life. We don't know otherwise. Same thing with our traumas, right? We have this thing inside us that molds and shapes how we see the world, how we understand things, how we interact, how we respond to things. And we don't know otherwise. And so that's what comes out in our day-to-day life. In the same way you and I have always talked about this with emotion, like they're trapped emotions and they're going to find a way out. And if we aren't consciously working with that, then it's going to come out in that chaotic way. It's going to come out in anger. It's going to come out in fear. It's going to come out probably in the more primal reactions that we hold because that's what we default to. So it's going to come out in ways that are aggressive. And it's just a little bit of us trying to scream out for some love and acknowledgement. I'm like going to cry as I'm speaking all of this right now. Yeah, man. And I, I think it's important to acknowledge that when we're talking about bringing consciousness to these things, uh, it can be easy if you're somebody who, <clears throat> if, if your emotional trauma has to do with guilt and shame, mm-hmm. uh, it can be easy to think like, oh, well, I'm experiencing this and it's my fault. That's why I need to be conscious of it because it's my fault and I'm fucking disgusting. And it's the, like, I think these thoughts and blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, just this, this whole kind of shame spiral of like, it's my fault that I even think these things in the first place and it's my responsibility to get rid of them. 
that's not what we're saying, right? When we're talking about bringing consciousness to them, it's this understanding, it's this compassion and this understanding that for the, for the most part, the way that you think about things is not your fault at all. Like the, the places that your brain defaults to in situations and the lens through which you look at every situation of your life is a largely due to the things you were taught growing up, the culture that you grew up in, the traumas that you experienced, the values of your family, the lineage of trauma that they experienced, all of this shapes the way that your brain defaults to things. And it's really important to bring consciousness to these things in the sense that you become aware of when it's occurring. However, having that compassion to go like this, this might be something that's coming through me, but this doesn't mean that it's who I am. And too, like, I know we're saying this very conversationally and very easy and more times than not, it's, it's not going to be that it's not just, Oh, I need to put some consciousness on this and have an awareness of it. That's where it starts, but also at the same time, like put some respect on it with a K, but really for yourself, but it can't just over the process of awareness for, you know, certain situations for certain people, like that can be the lifetime's journey and respect that and honor that. And no, like this shit can be a lot and it's okay if you can't just put some awareness on it and then feel it and then transcend it and then move on and be free. It's not going to be that process, but we're all each in our own process. Yeah. I fucking love, dude. I love what you said about this can be the process of a lifetime for some Mm -hmm. people. I would, I think that's perfect. I would just alter it a little bit and say, that's the process of a lifetime for all people. Okay. Is that there's yeah. a one or two or maybe even three things that we just get stuck with in our whole life, right? That doesn't change. What changes is our relationship to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like from my experience, I'll have people who will reach out to me and say very sweet things. They'll compliment me very highly on like my level of development and blah, blah, blah. And like the love that they feel off of me and these types of things. And in my experience, like, Every day I judge an aspect of myself. I judge something in somebody else. I get angry with somebody. I have thoughts that I find to be disgusting and like hurtful and dark and all these things, right? Those aren't you. They come through you. They're, they're a trauma response, but understand that like no, everybody no matter how they express, you know, it could be the person, for example, what I saw yesterday, a person yelling at the coffee shop owner because they had to wear a mask <laughs> in the store. It could be that, uh, or it could be the, you know, the little old woman um, who like makes tortilla soup in her kitchen and then brings it out and feeds the homeless people in her neighborhood and is like a saint, basically. All of us <laughs> experience pain and hurt inside of us. I mean, that, that little, that sweet old lady who's feeding 20 homeless people a day off of her, you know, her social security money might go home and call her son or call her daughter and like guilt trip them for not being around them more often. Right. The 
person who's yelling at the uh, at the the coffee shop owner for having to wear a mask, her father might be, you know, dying of kidney failure in the hospital. And she goes and sees him every day and he's unconscious and she goes and holds his hand for two hours every day. We all have, sorry, this is like really fucking emotional for me. Like we all have both inside of us and we get to choose what we see and what we focus on. I was thinking about that when you brought up just the image of someone screaming, right? We're talking about this as trigger, as emotional pain. Um, I was seeing also the other side of that because these things, these reactions can also be part of what, again, what we're learning in this lifetime journey of stepping into, right? That what's happening in that moment where someone screams, there's immense pain behind it. But at the same time, that person is also taking a stand for themselves, and maybe the first time ever. And that's part of what this pain is. It's taking us into these other aspects. And as that begins to heal, to find its love, to you know, balance out and soften a little bit, we still carry that through. Oh, I do deserve a little bit more. I do deserve to stand up for myself. I can now. Now maybe I'm not going to yell at everyone as I do that. And that's part of the journey itself. You know, these pains, like we're saying, right? They, they serve a purpose. You know, it's a, we can, as that can be fucked up to say on a soul spiritual lens, like this is the progression of us as souls. And we do that through these human lives and these difficult experiences. And sometimes it is meant to just be immense pain. And that's, that's what we're learning to love and carry and be with through the life. And sometimes it's moving that into a place of, some other attribute that we get to carry forward and you know some of the most loving people in the world right have the most immensely painful difficult lives and they become the most loving generous people in the world what i say to that is like this isn't the quite i don't have the words for it i was going to say like don't limit yourself. And that's not what I'm trying to say here. It's like, you're not saying don't limit yourself yeah. from a place of do you're talking yeah. about. Don't, don't limit yourself. And maybe and I could be wrong, but I'm just going to yeah. chime in as like, don't limit yourself with the story of who you think you are mm-hmm. and Thank allow you. whatever comes through you in that moment to be what is coming through you in that moment. And almost kind of watch the way your life unfolds. Like if in a moment you yell at somebody, you know, it's not necessarily something that you want to encourage in yourself. Right. But it's also not something that you judge like, like yeah. I'm such a fucking asshole, blah, blah, blah. Why was I so mean to that person, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, wow, I really have a lot of pain inside of me. And that's what came through. And I'm glad I didn't stuff it down, but now I have a better understanding of what exists within me that I can give some nurturance to. Yeah. You, you you know me in my mind and my heart and my soul. <laughs> that is what I was trying to get to. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. Of course, of course. So we were we just took a little pause and we were talking about how we can make this concept more tangible. And you know, Neil and Zach, we always like to take things that are nebulous and theoretical and put them into real life perspective. So uh, I'm at least going to share 
an experience of this kind of coming up for me. And then maybe Neil will have something that he wants to chime in with, but uh, yelling per se might not be something that I, that I do too often, but mm-hmm. my experience was one of coming into my leadership right. in, in trying to come into my leadership in a more authentic way. I mean, I've had leadership positions. I was captain of my wrestling team and stuff in high school, but that was always based off of like physical dominance and not necessarily uh, you know, emotional strength or self-confidence and things like that. So as I was developing through this phase of my life, kind of out of high sensitivity and like, uh, meekness, I guess, you know, meek, M E E K. I think that's how you spell it. (laughs) (laughs) I was, uh, I was trying to find my voice of authority uh, and trying to trying to find the vehicle through which my inner knowingness, my you know the wisdom of the divine that comes that seeks to come through me, and the knowledge that I've worked my ass off to earn, I was trying to find the vehicle through which to translate that from my inner experience into my outer world. <clears throat> and for those of us who have tried to do something like that, we understand that like Neil was saying, there can be kind of a pendulum where we might overshoot or we might undershoot and we kind of have to calibrate. Uh, It's like, you know, shooting a basketball for the first time, you know, you might undershoot, you might, you know, bang it off the backboard really hard. Who knows? So for me, stepping into that, I became, or I expressed in a way that was probably more authoritative uh, or authoritarian, I think, than I than I might have wanted it to be. Not that I was trying to tell people what to do, but I was definitely like, this is this this is like the spiritual energy that's coming through me, and I'm just going to fucking lay it on you, very pointedly, very directedly. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really have an example. Maybe the example would be like, um, <laughs> you know, the, somebody's guides tell me that. Uh, they're um, they're putting they're giving too much of their power away to their partner in relationship, uh, and instead of kind of like skirting around it in a really gentle way, I would just like blast them with it and just be like and be like and then you need to do this about it like this would be the solution, and because uh, I got kind of tired of beating around the bush, and from the outside for people who don't know me and don't know my experience and have just met me or are seeing me from kind of a third, a third party perspective, what it might look like is, Oh, blonde white guy telling people what to do, like just trying to impose his view of the world on everybody else around him. Like the level of entitlement that he has, he must've just grown up privileged. And I, you know, I did have, the privileges that come with that stuff, but like all the caveats. However, from my internal experience, it was like, oh no, like as a kid, I grew up far more effeminate than any of the boys in my class because I'm so sensitive, like energetically. Um, I'm shorter than almost like everybody that I engage with, like every man that I engage with at least. So for most of my childhood, kind of leading up into my teen years, my experience was like, your opinion doesn't matter. You have no authority here. 
unless you're bringing us like humor, unless you're bringing us lightness. And like, I got rewarded for my femininity. I did not get rewarded for being a leader. Right. So for me to find that voice internally was like, fuck yeah, I'm finally like bringing self-confidence to the things that I truly believe. But from the outside, it might've been like entitled white guy, you know? So Neil, if you have anything to say to that, or if you have any, like any reflections of your own that you wanted to bring forward, I'd love to hear them. Uh, so Neil had to, uh, had to pause us real quick for, for technical issues, but I was telling him that I woke up with this song stuck in my head today. This fucking, you guys probably going to know this, this Alanis Morissette song where she's like, I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. I'm a mother. <laughs> and I just like, have that on fucking repeat in my head. And it I just came into that. my conscious awareness that that's been like the fucking theme song of my day. That makes me so happy. I, I, like, I swear to God, the guides like just implant that in your head for this episode in this reason. <laughs> and the vibe totally fits, dude. It's like this yeah. 90s, like twangy country kind of like, I'm going to like reclaim my self-empowerment mm-hmm. <laughs> like, type of type of energy to it. Yeah. And honestly, like with that song and the message of this, like I think that rings true, right? Like we are these different things. We don't have to just become this one thing. And those are the things that make us, right? Like you wouldn't be Zach with this powerful heart, with this love, with this compassion for people if you hadn't had been this Zach prior to that. And you get to carry that forward. And that's what allows us to mature and these traits and aspects of ourselves and our personality to mature. And they carry that much more behind them, right? Like. Mm -hmm your heart wouldn't be as big and as powerful and as loving if you hadn't had carried all that before, if you hadn't had been quote unquote meek, it's that much more. And you get to give that much more as a result of that. We are all things. Oh, dude, I'm having like this really intense moment where like, as you're talking about that, like the guys are just kind of like showing me uh, almost like a Rolodex of pictures of like moments of my life. Right. And it's, um, like moments of like sexual trauma from when I was a kid moments of like physical trauma, like being mm. beat up and like tied up and like locked in a closet and like kept in there. Right. And then seeing when I became a teenager and I started wrestling, like I was a really aggressive kid. Like I, I was a really aggressive kid. I wanted to fight people all the time. I became a teenager, like when I became a teenager and I got like muscular and strong, I became a wrestler. And when I wrestled, I just wanted to hurt people. I didn't really care if I won or lost, I just wanted to like make somebody suffer, frankly. Um, and I was mean to, I mean, I was, I was always a good guy, but like, if I saw anything wrong happening, if I saw somebody bullying somebody else or whatever, like I would go and I would harm them. Like I wouldn't like try and resolve a situation. I would go and just like hit somebody. Stop it instantly. I would stop it instantly. I would hit them. And then I'd like make fun of them for crying after I punched them in the face. Like, Mm-hmm. remember a kid was bullying another kid on the wrestling team. And I like shoved him so hard into the wall that his head hit the wall and he like slid down the wall and he started crying. I'm like, you know, fucking cry now, bitch. And like, I'm looking at how I went from like meek and harmed and just traumatized as a kid to like right. a perpetuator of trauma as a teenager to where I'm at in my life now. Um, and just like seeing the story arc of that development in my life. And it just like, is really like an emotional moment for me (laughs) right now. 
Yeah. You know, I got like just full love for you right now. Like my whole body is just flooding with energy. Um, what I saw as you were describing that is one of the things that we've been, you know, talking about for you recently is the protector, right? Zach as the protector. And I saw that in all those moments. The pain brought you to that. And the, yeah, it was expressing as this triggered expression where you're hurting someone, but you're also stopping and protecting that person. You're protecting everyone else that that person could have harmed along the way. And it's the continual progression and maturity of that into this pure place of love. And what do we get to do now? You know, we're, we're still, there's never there, but we're still not there. We're, we're very, you know, at the start of our own process, but how many people do we get to share our hearts with and help and move through? And how many people does that end up protecting in the long game? And we change the world by doing our own work. That's it. Not, not you and I, but all of us as people, we change the world by changing ourselves, seeing ourselves. And that also means being a victim, right? We have to be a victim. We have to feel pain. We have to project. That's the only way we're going to get to the other side. But there is other side and there are phases in between and moments in between. Yeah. But it takes it's us important that we don't to get ourselves. stuck in victim. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. Go ahead. No, yeah, you said you said it, and that takes us to ourselves. Um, because that was a really beautiful sentiment, and I wanted to make sure that I got heard. Um, but yeah, it's it we we all undergo a process of being a victim at some point in our lives. And it's important that we find a way to transmute that out of victimhood and into our gifts, right? If I, if I hadn't done my inner work, I very well still could be an angry little man walking around yelling at people, you know, doing whatever my version of that nowadays would be probably not like assaulting people physically, but like yelling at people and like berating people and making everyone around me feel like shit. But you know, and I'm sure you had your own versions of that too, but like doing the inner work brings you to a place where you get to speak your heart and uplift people in the rooms that you walk into more often than not. And like, just as kind of an example of what we're talking about, it's like, I think it can be hard to believe at times that just doing your inner work changes the world. But then you think about where you were 10 years ago and where you are now and the impact that you have on people around you and the impact you have on your community. And you go like, Oh fuck. Like if everybody had a story arc like that, the world would be a different place. You know? God, that's like the second or third time I've heard someone say, think about where you were 10 years ago. And I'm thinking about that right now. And where was I? Piss drunk in a frat getting enough liquid courage to be able to stand up and show up in the world, especially in relation to women. And yeah, that's just like the image of just like numbing myself and at the same time trying to numb my voice and all these things so I could just be there and wow shut down that voice of like no self-worth doubt yeah Yeah. fear numbing myself so i could just be there yeah i get that so i could just be there and be present by not being present i think that's something that a lot of sensitive like empathic people experience is like struggling to just be in the world 
because there's so much fucking stimulus. And I think a lot of us take up addictions mm-hmm. of some form or another, you know, you're going to say something. That's exactly where I was going to and thinking was addiction. Yeah. It's actually one of the things I had uncovered. Like I have never been an addict, but there is a lot of alcoholism in my family. There's a lot of alcoholism in my people and Thai culture and somehow wound it up, wound up in a field of working in addiction for years. That's just what I've people that have gravitated toward me and where I have ended up in my own work. And even when I left addiction, my first clients were people in recovery and there are people that are very dear to me and I still get that a lot. And one of the things I ended up unraveling was like so many times within addiction, it's that, right? It's numbing this overload. And that can be from an internal place of trauma. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's actually overload from the empath experience, from the intuitive. And a lot, these few core clients that I'm thinking of, um, it was empathic overload, sucking up everyone's emotions and energy and responses. And it was just numbing to be able to show up and just to be there and to be able to deal with it. And I think that's such a common thing. Yeah. At the same time, you know, on the other end of that, one of the things that we find in recovery and a lot of like 12 step work, right. It's, it's a lot of spiritual work at the same time. It is connecting to something beyond you. And that's the other piece that's always, they're always screaming for. And that's why it's resonant to an extent because there is something beyond me and I'm craving that at the same time, but I'm also craving just to be able to be there and be present and to hold both at the same time. God, I fucking love you, man. You're so wise. I don't think I, I don't think I say that to you enough, but you really Thank are. You. Yeah. I take it for granted because we talk so much, but you really are truly just like such a wise fucking person. Yeah. I remember, I mean, you speaking to seeking something beyond ourselves, numbing what it's so interesting because we're seeking something beyond us. We're outside of us, mm-hmm. but we're also numbing what's within us. Right. We're thinking that like we're numbing what's within us and what it's creating is a sense of emptiness inside And so we go, oh, I need something outside of me now. Like there's not enough. So I need more externally, but there's so much in you that you couldn't even handle that. And you're numbing Mm -hmm. that out in exchange for something more manageable, more within your control, right? And it's this arc of like, I can't control what's inside of me and what my inner experience is is too much. Let me numb that out with drinking. Let me numb that out with marijuana or heroin or whatever, And, oh, now I feel empty inside. Let me get something that I can control around me, be it more alcohol or more drugs. uh, Fill that space. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, more women, more men, uh, more violence, more TV, more food. You know, pick your fucking poison. Right. Right, because all of it is poison except for your own heart. Like anything that you take in from outside of you that is not balanced by your inner knowingness and your acceptance of what is inside of you and your surrender to what is inside of you, right? Because that's kind of what we're talking about is what can I control outside of me by taking in and manifesting into my life versus what can I not control that's within me, which is my trauma, which is my karma, which is my feelings and my thoughts, like running away from your thoughts, running away from your heart. Like the only solution is to go in. 
Bro, you said that with some forceful, powerful love. It just felt, yeah. I'm just going to say that was like the maturity of all those old things, Zach, right? Like that's the directness of this ability to stand in it and say it because Mm -hmm. people need to receive that. But bro, you said something there that blew me open too. I mean, that whole thing did. I was kind of like (laughs) in awe and I couldn't help, but just I needed to share that with you. But where you started that was like, you know, we're going external to fill this space within when the answer is just within. And it's just that, right? Like we go searching for God beyond us when in actuality, it is the God within you, that pure love of self, no matter what, whatever that aspect of self is. And then to what we speak to, right? Like you see that within you and you just begin to see that within everyone else around you. Yes. You're like you said, you're seeking for God outside of you and God is outside of you. God is everywhere. Mm -hmm but you'll never recognize it outside of you until you've recognized it within yourself. Yeah. You will not see God in the piece of cake. You will not see God in the needle in your arm. You will not see God at the bottom of a bottle until you've seen God inside of yourself. Mm -hmm. An hour later of us talking about this to go back to the same point, but right. (laughs) That's, that's how much this life changing that not even concept, but that truth is like, love these parts of yourself even though they carry so much pain love them love them love them because that is you and also your greatest gift and it is truly you no matter what gift or not it is you and we surrender to that and the love that is that the god that is that we need to free ourselves from inside out when you were saying like love them love them love them there was like so much like energy pulsating off of you that like I felt the waves each time you said it. And it was just like, it was like pressing into my heart and like squeezing tears out of my eyes as you were like saying, I'm crying now too, bro. (laughs) Yeah. So fucking intense, man. Um, And if you're having trouble loving what is inside of you, then surrender and let what is inside of you be loved. Right. It's not the ego It's not the small self that loves. Love is the divine, right? And it's something that we let come through us. The soul is what loves because the soul is love. So if there is something inside of you that you think, I could never love that. Like, because the the ego is trying to reason as to why it should love something. But reason is it a vibration that exists below love, quote unquote, below love. It's a lower vibration than love, right? So the more that you try and reason out, well, like I was raped as a child. How could I ever, uh, how could I ever love that? Right. Let me think about the reasons. Well, it's made me a more compassionate person, blah, 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 right. As long as you try and reason it through, you will never find the love. You will find uh, maybe an understanding as to how you can express differently, but when you come across something that you just cannot bring yourself to feel love or compassion towards surrender, surrender it to God, to the universe, to whatever language you like to use around that surrender it and let love come through you into it. I'm so glad you said that. Cause it is right. That, again, that's one of those things where like conceptually we know this, but mm-hmm. to get there, 
is a process. So I can't just say, I love this thing that happened. You can say is, I love myself anyways, right? I love myself still. And if you can't say that, I think, you know, where, where we can always start, you know, I think what you and I will agree with, where right, it is the awareness piece of it. Okay, maybe I can't work with this emotion. I can't work with this thing. I can't give a love. I can't see it. It's just too much. So what's my feeling? Hurt. I am hurt. The power of just saying that and acknowledging and taking away the mental fight and the part of you that wants to deny that so you can move forward. The part of you that wants to suck it up or, you know, whatever that fight is with it. Just to accept that it's there is the start of it all. Right? I am hurt. Yes. I'm hurt and that's okay. I'm hurt and that's not okay. And it's okay that it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am whatever it is. And just let that come through you. Let that be felt. Let it it free your heart and soul. I'm really, I'm really glad that you brought up acceptance. It's something I've been working with a lot lately is just like, it can be really hard to jump from a lower emotional state all the way to love. Like that's a, that's a really, really big. It's going from black to white. Yeah. It's a jump yeah. in energy. It's a jump in power. But what I've found is that I can always accept it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I can always accept if I feel angry, I can always accept if I feel unseen, unheard, meek. Uh, I can always accept if I feel stressed or if my body's in pain. Um, or I feel like I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish that day. And that makes me less than I can always accept that I'm feeling that. And when I accept that I'm feeling it, it always immediately transforms it and opens the door for me to allow love in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a big piece too, right? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling this, right. I, I feel hurt. I feel meek. I feel whatever. Um, that's also, I think, uh, the next step from the I am's because it's, you know, unconsciously or consciously, it's creating a level of separation and seeing that as like, not fully you, but I am feeling something. I'm feeling this response. I'm feeling this thing come up and it still needs to be acknowledged. And then we yeah. acknowledge that and we begin to move into a place of love after that. I think we've disempowered the phrase I am yeah. by using it so unconsciously and so ubiquitously Mm because one thing that John Wyland teaches, I mean, at least in the men's courses, but you can apply this regardless of your gender or your sexuality or anything like that is I am God in the form of man experiencing blank. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am God in the form of man experiencing pain, experiencing anger, experiencing um, unworthiness, right. You can use anything like that and you'll feel the energy like transmuting it as you say that. Mm-hmm. But really, I am God in the form of man is like a longer way of saying I am, right? Because that's mm-hmm. all I am is, is I am. I am consciousness, like, and that is God, right? So it's the it's the I am self, but we we use I am so ubiquitously and so unconsciously that we've, uh, in the way that we've used it has disempowered that in our language, at least. And like a million things to follow up with that, that with, and it just didn't happen. And I'm like, oh yeah, I am. That's it. Paul's guides would like me to just really quickly, like give the attunements that they use. Um, 
to, to everybody in their mind. <clears throat> they're, yeah. yeah. They're being very, uh, they're being very adamant about this. So let me just clear my throat real quick. <clears throat> so these, intu- these attunements are exactly what they say they are, right? They're attunements. They're ways of acclimating the energetic body and the physical body to a higher amplitude of light to in alignment to the true self, to the soul, to the higher self that exists from a strata of vibration that they would call the upper room. And, you know, people will say like, oh, fourth dimensional, fifth dimensional, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't like to get caught up in the numbers of it. I think it's so arbitrary. It doesn't matter. There are infinite strata of vibration. Like why number them? Um, what Paul's guides call it are, is the upper room. It's the the dimension of vibration that exists above the one that we exist in now. It's the highest order of vibration that one can exist in while still holding on to physical form. Um, and to align to that place is to be realized as the true self. Neil is just like smiling at me because he just like sees that I'm clear cognizantly channeling and he's like loving every moment of it. <laughs> um, uh, he's nodding. Um, is to is so to align to the upper room is to be realized as the true self, to be realized as the soul, and to be realized is to be in knowing. And when one is in knowing, one by necessity knows that the divine exists in all things. And the realization of the divine that exists within all things is what the, his guides call the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven is present with us. It's just a matter of seeing it, right? So his guides want to bring through the attunements that they use, right? So we're going to start from the very first attunements that they brought through that will acclimate everyone's body to the vibration of the word, right? In the beginning, there was the word. There was the primordial sound that gave birth to light, right? And the word is the action of the creator. Right. So we will, we will start with the attunement to the word and then we will move forward from there. So say these, if you will, your consent is important in their ability to come through and help you to align. I am word through my body. Word. I am word. I am word through my vibration. Word, I am word. I am word through my knowing of myself as word. Word, I am word. So obviously, to bring the energy of the word to your body aligns the body to a higher acclimated state, to the Christ con, to a as close to the Christ consciousness as you can hold in your life at this moment. I am word through my vibration is to bring this energy to the vibratory field, to the aura, to the energy body. Uh, I am word through my knowing of myself as word is to align one's identification with that of the true self. And you will see that these attunements, the, the, the three parts of this attunement actually get built on in their own ways in the following attunement. So again, breathe if you need to, pause if you need to. Some of you might be experiencing a lot of energy. That's natural. Um, The next attunement is as such.
I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. We would like to now lift you to the upper room. See before you three steps and begin to climb them. The first step, the who that you are at the level of soul. The second step, the what that you are as the body, the divine manifestation of the Christ. And the third and final step, how you serve as you are expressed as your true self. And now see before you adore. You are not able to open this door yourself, but your true self exists at this level of vibration at all times. Allow your true self to open this door for you. And when you are ready, allow yourself to be lifted in the statement and the claim. I am in the upper room. Feel yourself be lifted to this level of vibration. Where all things can be known and brought to you as they are needed by your soul. And now state the claim. I have come. I have come. I have come. Behold, I make all things new. And finally, in the claim, God is, God is, God is. It is so. So in these claims, I know who I am in truth. First of all, they want me to say that these claims are not brought through by the small self. These are statements that are said by the true self through you. So if you might be saying to yourself, I don't know who I am, I don't know what I am, your true self does, and that's what's stating the claim. So to know who that you are is to know who you are at the level of the true self, at the level of the soul. To know what that you are is to understand the body as a view, as not only a part of the divine, but a vehicle for the divine, for the true self. And to know how you serve is to know how you serve when you are expressed as the true self in beingness, not in doing this. I am free, I am free, I am free, claims you as sovereign and free from the mandates of the society, of the culture that you grew up in, free from the energy of fear that would seek to keep you separate from God, from the divine. I am in the upper room, lifts you to an amplitude of light which is the expression of the kingdom, is the understanding of the divine in all things. I have come, I have come, I have come, is the claim of the divine self embodied in manifestation and claims all things that it sees 
in the upper room. And if you just start with that, <laughs> that will be enough. And you can say that as many times or as few times as you want throughout the day. The words will always be aligning. Thank you, brother. That's really nice. <laughs> uh, that's really nice. Yeah. I was thinking about my own process, how I'm having this like separation from just being fully encompassed in spirit <laughs> the way I have in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And one of the realizations was like, I get, I, I know I always carry it, right? It's so now it's about it, it being an expression of me as me through me. But I feel like part of me that still gets to, at times when needed, be submersed in it. I get to be submersed in it through you. So mm. that felt really nice. Like you, I needed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I wanted to speak to as well, um, if you are resonant with that message, with that attunement, with those guides, with those words, um, I wanted to give you a chance to speak to Paul and his work in the kingdom. Oh, yeah, man. Of course. Thank you. Um, so his name is Paul Selig, P-A-U-L, last name S-E-L-I-G. Uh, he has been actually channeling these guides for decades. However, uh, they didn't ask him to kind of step into the public eye <laughs> until about, yeah, until like 2009, 2010. He's like a very shy, very timid man. He has no desire to be doing this work whatsoever. Oh, he hates it. <laughs> he hates it, which actually kind of drew me to Makes the it perfect. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, it's not somebody, I don't have any belief in my body that he is like the type of person who would be fake mm -hmm. channeling for attention, right? He's like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this at all, but they're kind of making me. Um, so he was asked to uh, begin channeling books for them essentially. And now they've, they've published their literally their ninth book through him. Um, each book starting with I am the word published in 2010 has been an escalation in vibration and an escalation in their teachings. Um, and the progression has been from understanding that all is of the divine or nothing is to in the second book, kind of developing one's abilities and gifts to kind of psychically perceive or energetically perceive so that one can align to their knowing and act from that place uh, to claiming your worth as somebody who is worthy of the divine, worthy of being embodied as the true self all of the way up to where they are now, which is the realization of the true self and claiming the kingdom and all that you see, claiming the divine and all that you see and the impact that that has on an individual life and on the collective. Uh, so you can look him up, Paul Selig, his books are, I am the word, the book of uh, love and creation, knowing and worth, the book of mastery, the book of truth, the book of freedom, beyond the known realization, beyond the known alchemy, beyond the known, the kingdom. That is the most recent one that just released. The Kingdom just so, released yeah. like last week. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are already like five chapters into channeling the other <laughs> book. Um, and he channeled all these books in front of classes of people. So yeah. it's actually it's pretty fucking intense. <laughs> and for y'all that don't know the magic love story that is Zach and I... It oh started with the word. It started <laughs> with the word. <laughs> we met at a Paul Selig workshop. And we were in line for the men's room complaining because for the first time ever, we had to experience what women go through because it was longer than the women's line. <laughs> it was. We're like, Man, what is in, like, this? Back in summer 2019, we were both at like a Paul Selleck thing, standing in line for the men's restroom. <laughs> I almost wasn't going to go. 
I actually had to talk to Colin about this. I'm like, dude, I don't know if I want to spend this money. Like, I don't have it right now, but like. And he was like, no, dude, you I should went. go to this. Like, yeah, you should go. <laughs> and I went and I found Zach and Zach found me. So crazy. And the magic was written. <laughs> and I was also <laughs> laughing because it took me back to a moment where um, we were talking about Paul, right? And how is how like he kind of begrudgingly has to do this. And I remember asking my question and he was explaining back to me about like what was going on. And I was talking about like my path and my clear sentience and like all and channeling and these things. And basically to Paul's words, like about if I should do this, it will be productive is what he said. And it has been quite productive. <laughs> yes. Quote unquote productive. <laughs> That's what you know. It's like, yeah, it's going to suck and it's going to be really difficult, but you need to do it. That, that that's what productive when meant. <laughs> his seventh book realization like the first book of the mm-hmm. third trilogy came, had just come out and he was like i i think i tell people that this book should come with a warning label <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and it really does so uh you can you can theoretically start wherever you want in the book series and they always try and catch people up in terms of attunement in terms of like the basics the meat and potato of their teachings mm-hmm. within the first one or two chapters um but if yeah. you can start from the beginning um, or at the very least start from the, the beginning of the second trilogy, the book of mastery uh, I binged like <laughs> the first six books in like a year. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> um, and they, they all are escalations and gradation of vibration. So each one that follows is aligns you to a higher level of, of their teaching. However, the one that I had the most physical and palpable experience with was the book of mastery, which is the first book of the second trilogy. Um, and it just like, it's just like attunement after attunement after attunement. And it like shatters, <laughs> it like shat. I was like, there's the amount of times oh. I'd sit in my room crying was like unbelievable. Dude, the amount of attunements that came at that workshop, we probably did like 10 <laughs> yeah. in one day. Yeah. It's uh, unbelievable. Um, and I will say it finds you when you're ready. If you listen to this and it wasn't for you, it's, you know, maybe not for you right now. It's okay. Um, but trust it if, and when it comes up, I, you know, I was not someone who had gone through any of the books. I heard him on podcast with Aubrey Marcus and he did the attunement and I vibrated. I'm like, Whoa. Yep. And then exactly I went to the workshop <laughs> and actually what I will say is going to that workshop unlocked a lot for me. I was just, in a place where I was beginning to channel and I was like fighting to get words, fighting to get sentences. I went to that workshop, came home that night and channeled and it just poured out of me. So it, um, it unlocked a lot. Um, so that is my words, my word of encouragement for anyone considering. Fuck yeah. All the dopeness. And All so are dopeness. you. And so are you. Oh, damn. Oh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Oh, jinx. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've talked for like well over an hour. So I just want to say thank you guys for being with us. Thank you guys for uh, lending an ear. You know, we couldn't do this without you. And thank you for bringing your unique flavor of light, your unique texture of light to the world. We need you.